Thank you very much, uh, Eric. And it's a privilege that we get to um, participate uh, with Bob and, and Rita and the whole family in celebrating her 80th birthday. Thank you for the ways that y'all blessed us and continue to transform, uh, be a part of God's work of transforming us as well. And uh, it's a privilege for us to continue to, to build on what God built uh, through you and continues to build today in ways that honor and glorify God and we pray are a blessing to the world. So um, we're glad to be on the team uh, with y'all. Um, my name is Drew Smith and I'm the senior pastor here. I want to welcome everyone else here and on online. Um, and yeah, today we are going to talk about like the perseverance of God, that God is always working even when we don't see it. I don't know if you saw this, but I read an article just a couple weeks ago about some roundworms that were 46,000 years old. They had been frozen in the permafrost, and as some was thawing, some scientists collected them, and they, in a sense, woke up from their hibernation, and they ate, and they relieved themselves, they reproduced, and more roundworms were created, and they, through carbon dating and all this kind of stuff, they found that they had been there present alive, but not very much alive, but what they call it? Cryptobiosis. And then when they thawed, they woke up. But you never knew. For 46,000 years, never knew that they were there. And, and yet that's what we'll see in our passage today. As we, we look at this chapter of Acts, the, the work of, the, the, of God's work through the church as it's starting, as it's starting to explode, uh, we'll, we'll see things that go well and things that crash. And through it all, God is faithful. Through it all, God is still working. And because the church has hitched our wagon to Jesus, then if we're filled with him, then we too are still faithful. Even when things are going well and when they're crashing down. We, just as God is faithful, God endures, God perseveres, we do as well. But not because we're gritty. Not because we're strong. It's because we're filled with the Spirit. It's because we're following the one whom even death could not destroy. It's because we're connected to Jesus. That we too, as his followers, are faithful we persevere, that we remain alive, even though it, it may look like we're, we're dead. So for that, that's what we'll look at in Acts chapter um, 18, uh, verses 1 through 23. You can follow along on the screen or you can follow along in whatever form you have a, a, a Bible. I'm going to read the, the whole thing through the first so you get the whole picture. And as we go through, we're going to take little bite-sized chunks. And just see uh, how God is faithful and how his people are, are faithful through him uh, in, what, in a variety of circumstances. Uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, we do thank you for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth, of the, the ways of, of life, the, the, the ways of your kingdom, and, and the, the, the beauty that, that you have created and the beauty of your salvation and, and redemption and the transformation that you lead us in. So we offer ourselves to you on this part of the journey. We want to hear from you, and we want your spirit to work in our lives individually and in us as a community, as those that are, as a church. 
Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 18 starting with verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there. And went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Galea was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them out from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centuria, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, um, you see in the very beginning, Paul is left Athens. Uh, now, last week we were in chapter 17 and uh, uh, Pastor Irwin, he shared with you where Paul was speaking in Athens. And so he leaves Athens and then heads to Corinth. And that's where we're going to spend most of the passage is there. But I do want you to, to know that the 23 verses we just read covers about five years. You sort of lose that in the passage. You know, a sentence can cover a year and a half. 
And then, then, then you have a big burst of a story and then things just go where things are sort of happening under the surface. Stuff is happening. God's at work, but you know, it's not anything to write home about. But this is about five years that we just read in these 23 verses. But I want to show you a map. Bailey, I think it's the second map. Yeah, show me the other map. That one we'll look at at the uh, uh, end. Uh, but show me there. Thank you. That's the one where we are. So you can you can see here uh, in the right to the your left up there. Uh, you see Achaia and the big brown right in between the Adriatic Sea and the Aegean Sea. There's Athens where Paul was and then he jumps over to Corinth. That's all modern day Greece right there. And you can see bottom hand right there. You see Jerusalem is down there. So th- this is the journey that Paul, this is his second missionary journey and he's about midway through. And today we're going to go all the way from Athens to Corinth and then the other names that I've read and head back to Jerusalem and then back to Antioch. So you can see that's the, the so we're ending up his second journey. We're going to begin his third. I like maps. It gives me an idea of just the geography of where Paul was going and what he was doing. Now, so in this this first part um, here, uh, we we see how God uh, provides what's what's needed. I'll read those first four verses again. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So you see, he's planting a church here in Corinth. Paul goes to to Corinth and he goes to the synagogue and he starts talking to to folks that are there. He talks to the the Jews that are there. He talks to the Greeks that are there. He's telling them about Jesus and that Jesus is now, that, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the promised one of God. Come follow him. What we've been waiting for our whole lives is now here. Jesus is the one that God has sent to us and some are coming to him. But in order to do that, Paul's got to have some money. He's got to have a place to stay. He's got to live somewhere. He he needs other folks to be with him. And so he's looking for them. What we, what we say is he gets there and he starts looking for folks. And the first place, one of the first places he probably goes is to the fellowship of tent makers, the fellowship of uh, um, leather, leather workers. Uh, because they would have been working together and there probably was a Jewish one and there was probably a Gentile one. Yes, you know, so Jews are the ones following Yahweh, one God, and uh, they were following all the, the laws of the Old Testament, keeping the Sabbath. The Gentiles were the pagans. They were fo- following a whole bunch of gods and they had nothing to do with those particular laws. And so there would have been Jewish and Gentile groupings of these leather workers. So Paul would have, he was a leather worker. That was his trade. And he would go find other ones so that then he could work, make money in order to resource and finance his preaching in the synagogue. And uh, what, what's happened is Priscilla and Aquila have had kicked out of Rome. And so they happen to be there. And he finds them and connects with them. They're Jewish, they're leather workers. And either they've come to Christ or through Paul they come to Christ. We're not really told here, but they become a team. And, and where they work together throughout this entire passage. And that's one of the things that we, we see here, that God provides what we need at every step. Here, he provides the team. 
He provides the people. And he'll, he'll be doing that all along. As, as, as Eric was sharing, sharing earlier. Now this is what we need one another. We, we, we have to be in community as Bart was sharing. We, we have to be in community and God provides that community. He also provides the money. He provides the money by Paul being a worker, being a tent maker, being a leather worker. Now, in both of these cases, Paul didn't just pray and sit. Paul prayed. He prayed before. He prayed during. He prayed after. But we're also told he went and found people. He went and looked. He went and worked. You know, the, uh, he, cause it, because he knew God would provide. Didn't cause him just to be inactive, but caused him to then be active. Uh, my old football coach used to say, you can't steer a parked car. Now, there, there is, there, there, we want to pray. I'm not speaking against praying. But we don't just want to pray. We want to pray and act. And that's what Paul is doing. God provides the team, God provides the money, God provides all that is necessary. Now there is a place to wait on the Lord, but that waiting, even that waiting, and we, we hear that from Isaiah, we hear that from Jesus, that is a, a waiting that means I'm hoping in the Lord, I'm waiting in Him, I'm still going to act, but I'm going to act in honesty, I'm not going to cut corners, I'm not going to be unfaithful, I'm not going to be untrue to the Lord, I don't have to do it in sneaky ways, I can do it in honest, open ways because I'm waiting and trusting and believing in the Lord. And I honor him with my whole life. Paul never is acting out of desperation, but out of expectation. Because he has a deep-seated belief that indeed God is working. God will make a way. That's why he tells us to pray without ceasing. He's praying when he's working. He's praying in his closet and he's praying as he's Weaving together, working the leather, making the tent. He's praying as he's proclaiming in the, in the, um, synagogues. But the, the fact that he knows God will provide, that that is his trust, that's what empowers him to act. And God will provide. I remember, um, I forget what book I was reading, but the quote really hit me. The guy was talking about a visit with Mother Teresa. Now, Mother Teresa was a nun who started Sisters of Charity in, in, in Calcutta, India, and worked a lot with the poorest of the poor. And this uh, guy, that whoever's writing the book, went to visit her. And he said, and he had a, a moment with her, and he said, Sister, will you pray for me? Will you pray for clarity? Pray for clarity for what um, I, I should be doing. And, and she said, no, I won't. Mother Teresa could say that and get away with it. And uh, she said, I'll, play, I'll pray for your faithfulness. See, because there's plenty of times we can be really clear about what God wants us to do and still not do it. Well, she was saying, so I'll pray for you to be faithful to what God's calling you to do, whether you know it or not. I want, want you to be faithful. And that, that, that's what it means when we're trusting in the Lord that he's going to make the way in times of confusion, times of uncertainty. As Paul's left Athens, now he's in this new place. He doesn't know anybody there. And yet God will provide. That's what enables him to act. Out of trust and dependence on a faithful God, we act, we search, we work, we pray. 
because we know God will provide. We hope it's not 46,000 years. But it may be. But God will provide. Because, as we sang, what he ordains is right. So what are you trusting God for today? Where is that, that, that situation for you? Where you're in a place of something that's new. You're in a place of something that's difficult. You're, you're, in, a, you're in a place where you're of uncertainty. Now, what it might be, your, your health, your life, the decisions about jobs and housing. Um, maybe you're heading back to school next week or you've just started back to school. That, that, those, those, all of those kind of things. Or maybe you're, you're searching, you're searching for a job or you're searching for a spouse. Whatever it might be. God will provide what we need. That we know. But what, what are you trusting God for today? And then what then, like Paul, what, what act do you need to take? What step do you need to make in that direction that, that, that fear, anxiety is stopping you from? That, that the Spirit of God will empower you for. I mean, with each one of us here, there may be totally different ones all around. It may be, if looking for a job, it may be, man, I gotta finish school. Or I've gotta go get this training. Or I've gotta fill out a job application. Or I've gotta go do the interview. It may be you're looking for a spouse. It may be not so much looking for a spouse. Maybe the real focus is let me be the person God's called me to be so that I might be the best partner to another that God wants me to be. Maybe a lot more about looking out there than it is being and looking and focusing yourself. But, but what is that? What, what is that place for you? Remember, in action is not a sign of faith, but action is. And God provides for us by, by showing us just how faithful He is and the acts that He takes on our behalf. And as we continue to step in faith, we'll see how God provides, just like He did with Paul. God provides what we need. All right, the, the second um, paragraph of the passage. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, again, more team. God's bringing the team to them. Paul was occupied with the word. See, he was still active. He was occupied in the word. Testifying to the Jews that Christ was Jesus. That the, that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. And he left there, went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul, One night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I'm with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Now, so Paul gets frustrated. 
He's in the, the synagogue and the folks there, I mean, he's sort of tapped out. There, nobody else is coming to him. Everybody else is opposing. So he says, forget this. I'm leaving here. I'm going to the Gentiles, to the folks that are out there. Now, it wasn't saying he never went to Jews. I mean, as you can see here, he, the next steps, the next places he goes, he always goes back to the synagogue. But in this situation, here in Corinth, he's like, this is done. I'm done here. Frustration, you can hear it in his words. And so he, he moves on. And he doesn't go too far. He just goes next door. Just goes to Titius Justice's house, and who's a Gentile, right next to... He, he, he's, he, I think he's maybe even be strategic that he's there. All right, let's be here. And so as they're going to synagogue, they'll see us. And they'll be wondering all the more what's going on. And sure enough, Crispus, we're told, who's one of the leaders of the synagogue, he comes on board. And he and his whole household are baptized. So in this this time of frustration, God speaks to Paul. He says, I'm with you. I'm going to take you through this. Trust me. Keep going. Don't quit. You know, maybe you got to move to the next place. You're going to be doing this a lot, Paul. You'll have to go until you can't go anymore and then move to the next place and move to the next place. But I'm with you. On this journey, this journey of life, God will provide and God will encourage you. And that's what he's doing to Paul. Uh, why do you think he's, he's left everyone and he goes and he finds a, a welcome place? He doesn't have to go far. Next door. And right there. And then two of the people in one whole household come to know Jesus. And so Paul is encouraged in that way. How has God encouraged you lately? They're there. They're little signs. Just ways that God encourages us on this journey. This, just this week, well, actually, um, I've mentioned this before, but in the last several months, I've tried to reinstitute an old spiritual habit of preview and review the day. So I, I try to take 10 to 20 minutes just being alone with the Lord. And, and first thing is just say, let me just review the last day, last 24 hours. Sometimes it's 48, sometimes it's 72. <laughs> but try to do that and just and sit with the Lord and go back and look what, what was the, where was the Lord at work? And where was the Lord at work and I was in tune with him? Where was the Lord at work and I wasn't in tune with him? But I found those times, um, actually surprisingly so, they've been more helpful when it comes to encouragement. Because I, I don't know, maybe you're not like this, but I, I am. I, the positive stuff, I just sort of motor by. You know, when somebody makes a, a compliment or says, oh, thank you, thank you, praise the Lord, sort of motor by. It's when the stuff that where I'm not in tune with the Lord, that that's where I, I hang out, you know, and I can get overly meditative in that. But what I've found in my reviewing really it's been words of encouragement ways that i look back and said oh yeah the lord was at work right there i forgot that oh, oh yeah i mean just just wednesday i was 
a long day. We had a great prayer meeting a Wednesday night, but I still had a few more things that I had to do. So after the prayer meeting, went into the office and you know did some stuff. Uh, one of the things was write, I try to write a couple, one or two emails a week, you know, to send to to us to help us, you know, just sort of remind us of God's presence and God's word and God's work. You know, so send those out. And I hadn't done that yet. And I want to get that out by the the morning. And so. I, Typed it up, you know, and had it set up so it would be sent. And, and, and even as I was leaving, I said, I don't know if that was any good or not. Yeah, and uh, then, you know, went, went home, got in Friday morning and reviewed emails and just had a, one email. It was just two sentences. That email was just what I needed today. Thanks. You know, like, okay, who knew? The Lord does that. Little encouraging words along the way to say, yes, I'm at work. I'm at work in you and through you. Take that time every day or two or three days, whenever you can, to make that time just to review and particularly look back for how the Lord has given you a word and encouragement so that you celebrate Instead of getting overly frustrated with the synagogue, you celebrate the Christmases of the world. You, you celebrate uh, those those things, even if it's just a little bitty, just a little peel back, little glimmer of the light of God. Celebrate those things because God will encourage you. Verses twelve through seventeen. Let's look at that. So, but when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. So during these 18 months that Paul is preaching, Galileo becomes uh, the proconsul, And there becomes a united attack against Paul. And so they, they grab him. They bring him, drag him before the proconsul. They're ready to get him sent to jail. And it just so happens, and it, it, this Galileo, who could care less... There's nothing really redeeming about Galileo here. He's only thinking about himself. It's probably lunchtime. And he's like, who are these people bugging me and bothering me, bringing this to me? This has nothing to do with me. All of y'all, leave. And so then the folks that the religious leaders are bringing Paul to Galileo, they're so upset. They just grab the next person they can, Sosthenes, and beat him in front of all of them. And Galileo, hey, y'all go on. Couldn't care less about it. But... That's God's work in that time that will work in surprising, mysterious ways. Because Paul, as you know, is my favorite, favorite verse in here, that Paul's just about to speak. And Galileo cuts him off. And God continues to protect and provide for him. And just so you know, yeah, this is another sign. God will surprise us, surprise us because in the, the worst of times, God's, sometimes when God does his best work, yeah, I mean, like death that then he brings to life. And what we see here, well, we don't know, we don't see here necessarily, but Sosthenes, the one who's, one who takes the brunt, the scapegoat 
for Paul? Well, go, go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. And Paul says to the letter to the church in Corinth, with my brother Sosthenes. You can keep reading on to verse 14, and he also mentions Crispus in there. Yeah, so first the letter to the church in Corinth, Paul writes sometime later, and what's happened, Sosthenes is a follower of Jesus, and he's coming alongside with Paul. Helping to spread the, the, the good news, uh, Paul probably writes the, the, the letter to Corinth in Ephesus, so he's with him the whole rest of the path, rest of the journey. So he takes this opportunity with the, the Jews in the synagogue that Paul gets frustrated, and he takes that, and he starts this new thing with the Gentiles. Then he comes here where folks are attacking him. And God, through Galileo, a person who really doesn't care at all, is the one that saves Paul. And through that, brings Sosthenes to the Lord. He's continuing to work. God will surprise you. That's another good reason to examine the day. How did God surprise you this day? You know, so many of those things that will just blow through them. You know, how are you being attacked? How are you really facing a struggle today? How might God be surprising you in the midst of things that are treacherous and evil? How might God be making a way? Stay in the battle. Stay, stay faithful. Don't give up. Continue to represent Jesus. It's in those challenging times that the fruit of the Spirit are even more clearly ripening. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's in, in those, those times when we demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit within us. Those times that we're being attacked. That, that God is glorified and honored and we're, we're matured in Him. Finally, at the, the very end, 18 through 23, after this, Paul stayed many days longer, then took leave of the brothers, set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila at Centria. He's cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Look at that last, just that last phrase. I mean, we just covered three years in those verses and many miles. Matter of fact, Bailey, can you put the, the other map up there, the that, that one, you'll, 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 you'll notice there, what you can at least see there is that the second journey is the one that's in green, and then the third journey is the one that's in blue. You'll look up in Antioch, your far right, right above Syria. That's where the second journey ends and where the third journey begins. 
So we, we start in Corinth over here, and then you go down Chorus, Ephesus, and then you're all the way down to Caesarea down near Jerusalem, and then up to Antioch, and then back up in what's current-day Turkey. So a lot of miles that he's covered, a lot of steps that he's taken, a lot of uh, ocean that he's crossed. And yet, each step of the way, what's he doing? He's sharing with people the love of Jesus, and he's strengthening the disciples as he goes. That's, that's who we are as a church. We just keep following Jesus in the successes or in the failures, in the popularity or in the attacks. God's making a way. And because of his faithfulness, we're faithful. And we keep going, demonstrating the character of Christ. God's kingdom at work in the midst of evil, God's kingdom is still greater. Not on our own strength, not because we have grit, but it's because we have trust in the one who is faithful. Now, I just want to take a time just to reflect. We'll take 30 seconds, a minute or so, and just sit with the Lord. What what in this, as we walked through this, did the, the Lord speak to you? What did he awaken in your soul? Where was a, there a spot where you sort of got uh, connected with the Lord that meant something to you? It may, may have been uh, around being recognizing God's faithfulness and celebrating that, reviewing the day, what all the good that God is doing in, in your life. It may be that you're in a situation of real attack and you're crying out to the Lord, help. Maybe it's a, that you feel, you realize you're alone. You need to, no, I, I need the encouragement and support of others around me. I need to get with a, a prayer group or a, a Bible study group or with some close friends and share this with them. Or maybe it's a particular step, particular action step for you and whatever that, that dream is for you that you know God is faithful and he'll provide and he's saying, all right, here's the step you've got to take. Let's, let's take 30 seconds to just sit with that and then I'll close this in prayer. Almighty God, we do give you thanks that you are faithful. You are faithful from beginning to end and all the way through. And you you do not stop. You are continuing to work, whether we realize it or not. We give you praise. Continue to, to speak to us individually, speak to us as, as a people of how your your faithfulness impacts, therefore, our faithfulness, how you continue to encourage us and provide for us in, in, in surprising ways at times. Help us to, to see that and to celebrate that. Keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the storm. 
We thank you for this story of the church that it could, it continued even in the face of opposition and attacks and confusion that you continued to lead your people to share the love of Jesus and to strengthen and encourage one another as we follow him. We pray that would be the case for us. Continue to do that work here for, for your glory, for your pleasure. For us to experience life in you together and be a witness to the world of something that is truly good and beautiful and compelling. And Father, we, we thank you that we can come before you and lay before you these times, these situations in which we're feeling attacked or struggling or whether it's our health. Lord, we, we pray for uh, Alan Rainey and family and the death of Ann Rainey. We, we pray your peace and comfort upon them. And we thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. Even in the face of death, we're not separated from you. And we pray that peace that's beyond all understanding will be for Alan, the, the kids, and the, for us as well. Lord, we, we pray particularly as, as families are getting ready to go back to school. And as children, some start to, have already started, some are about to start. And we know there can be excitement, anxiety all around. And we pray for those families and children that they would trust And you grow in trust and faith and dependence on you as they step into this new, new year. And Lord, whatever the the other needs are, whatever the the challenges are, you, you hear the cries of our heart. We pray for ourselves, for others around us, that you would bring your healing. You'd bring that your, uh, you'd bring us that peace. You'd give us each a glimpse. So you gave Paul that encouraging word. You give us that encouraging experience or word along the way. To know that you indeed are still working. Now, Lord, as we gather here at the, the table, we, we ask that you would, you would meet us. You would truly feed our, our, our souls, feed our faith, nourish our souls as we gather at this table that you have provided for us. Take these elements, these ordinary elements, and make them extraordinary. Take this bread and this cup, and may they, they, just as they nourish us physically, you would use them to nourish us together as one. Strengthen us to, to serve you this day, this work, this week. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.